Hello everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you about strange things that happen in history, like the lost Roanoke colony. I am your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me as ever is Amelia Edwards so that we can talk about the lost Roanoke colony. Hi. Hi. Why are you saying the Lost Roanoke Colony so much? So I realised when I was editing last week's podcast that I never actually really gave an introduction as to what the topic was we were talking (laughs) about. So I did put it in the description of the podcast and I hope it was clear after a while. (laughs) But I'm just making sure that everyone knows that we're talking about the Lost Roanoke Colony. Sorry, what are we talking about? Uh, I think we're talking about vampires. Okay, cool. Um, All right. (laughs) <laughs> no, we're talking about the Lost Roanoke Colony, of course. All right. So from what I remember from last week, mm-hmm. it involves Sir Walter Raleigh yep. and Sir Francis Drake yep. and Sir something Grenville. Richard? Uh, uh, yes, Richard Grenville. Nice. Uh, three great shipping heroes, I guess. Apparently so. After which three of their houses in my first school were named. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Nelson came in, really. No, but to be honest... I mean, it might just be because I don't know that much about him, but he sounds better than these three. I don't know. <laughs> He's probably not. People I know he... got upset with the statue of Nelson in Norwich. That's, That's true. all I can say. That's true. He did do some slaving. Mm. Yeah. But hey, who didn't? Who didn't in British history? Well, we are going to continue our story, so... In case listeners hadn't realised it, this is part two. So if you haven't heard part one, you'll want to go back and listen to that or there won't be, like, a lot of this won't make sense to you. Mm. Or it might make sense, but you won't get that sweet, sweet context and why bad weather is really a thing in you this story. You won't get to hear about ships full of food just floating <laughs> off into the distance. Yes. So last I left off, I'm actually going to go slightly back because I just wanted to end last week on a sort of dramatic note. All right. Um, But what we'd had was uh, two expeditions to create the first permanent colony in America. Yeah. In North America specifically. Yeah. And they had not been hugely successful. No. But they mostly, the original plan was for them to be kind of fact-finding missions. Yeah. Uh, and then the third expedition was the actual colonists. Yeah, the time when they actually sent some women, some kids, yeah. you know, the things you actually need to make yeah, a house. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but considering the first two hadn't gone very well, the third had actually gone pretty all right. Like, yeah, it sounded okay. We had the birth of the first European in yep, North America. Absolutely. Uh, we had Manteo, the Native American, who'd managed to, you know, smooth things over so it yeah. didn't look like their closest and most powerful neighbours were going to, you know, kill them or anything. Yeah. So things were looking up. But when John White, who was heading the expedition, and incidentally the grandfather of the first European child born in North America, when he returned to England, the Spanish Armada was going on and yeah. meant that no ship could leave Britain. Yeah, which is really bad timing. Yeah. Yeah. So it actually took three years before uh, he was able to get a ship to go back and, you know, check on the colony and bring those vital supplies, which was the reason he left. Man, the first European child to be born in America is basically old enough to get married at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, the thing is that he actually kind of didn't manage to get ships to send supplies to Roanoke. Oh, really? What he managed to do was uh, persuade a group of privateers 
to go in that direction and give him and his friends a couple of ships. Right. And then they would separately, you know, split off from the group and go and look for the colony. Yeah. I mean, privateers are super useful in this era, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was actually Sir Walter Raleigh, who I mentioned last week doesn't look good in this story. No. This is, he manages to arrange this, which is, Good for him, because, I mean, John White's probably going to be having a hell of a time. He is really concerned for his daughter and granddaughter. Yeah. And that's not just speculation. He actually kept diaries, and he wrote a lot about them. Mm. He was really worried, and he would be. Oh, bless him. I mean, that makes sense to me. Like, you've just left, you know, your nearest and dearest people in a largely undiscovered by white people nation. Yeah. Near some people who have had a history of getting in fights with the European settlers, yeah. you know, understandably, but you don't really want your granddaughter to be in that situation. Yeah, and not just that, but there's always the threat of the Spanish as well. Oh, God, yeah. Who were taken over South and Central America. I don't believe were... I'd forgotten the Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was desperately trying to think of how to make a no one expects a no, Spanish Inquisition you can't joke, do it. but I couldn't. I couldn't. Well, when the ships got closer to America, White and his crew broke off from the rest in the two ships known as the Hopewell and Moonlight. Those are nice names for ships. I, I like know. those. Last time we had, like, the Francis. And the Elizabeth. And the Elizabeth. But the, those are good ship names. Hopewell. Yeah. Moonlight. Ah. <laughs> I mean, Moonlight does sound like what your six-year-old daughter will name her, her toy ship after, right? Yes, absolutely. And then she's going to paint unicorns on it. I was going to say, it's captained by a unicorn. Yeah. A unicorn, like, it's a different toy, so the unicorn is much bigger than the ship. <laughs> it's really awkward because the unicorn is the symbol of the Scottish, oh, and yeah. we are having issues with the Scots at this time <laughs> in history, I think. I s- pr- probably so, but it doesn't have a bearing on this story. No, no, no. <laughs> well, of course, as we've seen before, the weather is going to crop up and make the journey quite difficult. Yep. The Atlantic is like that. Yeah, but considering how bad it has been in some of the earlier expeditions, this is not too bad. They are still able to get into the sort of the right general area. They don't lose like seven ships or anything. No, no, but they were forced to anchor on the north end of Croatan Island. Okay. uh, Which is a little bit to the south of Roanoke. Yeah, but we've heard of the Croatans before, right? They're the other tribe that um, Mantea Mantea came from. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well... From their vantage point, they actually saw two large plumes of smoke, one on the southern part of Croatan Island and the other from Roanoke. Okay. So, kind of looking good. Like, it could be native tribes, but I think the the way that it was done or something, like, they, they, they're the thinking chimneys? I think so, okay. yeah. They're thinking that things are looking pretty good. Okay. And... It does look like a storm is coming, so attempting to cross the Pamlico Sound is going to be pretty dangerous. So they decide, we're going to stay here, we're going to just investigate this plume of smoke on Croatan Island, yeah. and then we can move on when the storm has passed. Sensible. They're yeah. not going to let the ship just float away. I know, right? It's it's one of the first times people are being sensible. Hooray! <laughs> well, they investigated the smoke on Croatan Island, but found nothing. No sign of who had been responsible for the plume of smoke. Did they find the fire that the smoke came from? I don't know. Right. I don't know. All is all I could find is saying that they didn't find who was responsible for it. So right. immediately, that's not good. Like, you're expecting to find a colony and you find, at best, the remains of a fire. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, rather than... Unfortunately, we're going to immediately move away from being sensible because rather than contacting the local Croatan tribes... John White desperately wanted to meet up with his daughter and granddaughter, which, I mean... To yeah, be, it's, it's, it's been fair, three years. It's fair, but really, you know, he could have took some time to speak to the tribes who, you know, have been there for yeah. three years. know what's going on. And he also decides that he's going to have everyone cross the Pamlico Sound during the storm. Oh, come on, guy. Yeah. That's how you get boats to just float off with all your supplies <laughs> in them. I'm sorry, I keep banging on about this, but no, that's, really, it's, it's... absolutely fair. I'm not able to get over it. The journey took two days. Whoa! Yeah. Now, I looked up the Pamlico Sound. I couldn't get exact measurements between Croatan Island and Roanoke Island. For one thing, they go by different names now, and they've actually changed shape. Okay, yep. From what I can gather, the Pamlico Sound itself is about 80 miles long and Croatan Island kind of sits in the middle and Roanoke is further to the north. So it might be 40 miles, which is a fair distance. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I was imagining these islands to be closer together because they could see the smoke. Ah, America, yo. I guess. It's huge. (laughs) That's yeah. true. But I mean, the sm- I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I suspect they are a bit closer than that. I, I'm saying at like at the most sort of liberal guess I could make yeah. at the distance, they would be 40 miles away. Okay, they might be closer. They might be 10 miles away. <laughs> I don't Who know. Knows? Who knows? Not me. I'm not a geographer. I'm not a historian either. But here we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, as I say, it took two days. It resulted in some damage to the ships. Yep. As well as some deaths among the crew. But eventually, they reach Roanoke. Great. And they see another plume of smoke in the north end of the island. However, at this point, night was falling. And the crew were basically like, we don't know what's there. There Mm -hmm. might be hostile tribes. We are not going to shore. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole other tribe of Native Americans living on this island as well. Yeah. And you can't be that sure that smoke is coming from a chimney rather than a fire. I know. They, they seem to think it was a good sign. I don't know if they have some sort of way of di- like discerning between smoke plumes. but Like, surely you'd see at least two, right? Because there should be two settlements, one of Europeans and one of Native Americans. I don't know, man. I'm just going with what I could find in the articles. Okay. <laughs> So they decided to weigh anchor and basically stay slightly off the shore until the morning. And during the night, they decided to sing songs loudly in English in hopes that the colonists would hear them and know that friendly ships had arrived and maybe, you know, send someone out to meet them or something. (laughs) Okay. I mean, sure. Sure. The next morning came and they were able to make landfall. And uh, this was actually on August the 18th, which was uh, what would be Virginia Dare, John White's granddaughter's, third birthday. Oh. It's kind of cute. It would be, but I feel like something's going to go wrong. Well, they approach the site of the colony, and the first thing they find is that a wooden palisade, a large wooden wall of basically like carved logs, has been built to seem to fortify the colony. Okay. Now, that might just be sensible, because, you know you're in possibly dangerous lands or it could be that they have been attacked Mm. who knows what they don't find are any people okay no one is around at all they do find some tracks but 
there don't seem to be enough to be the colonists, and right. they can't really determine where the tracks are going. Okay. Not only that, but all the houses have been dismantled. All the chests have been opened and belongings have been taken out, mm-hmm. and all the boats that had that were originally there had disappeared. Probably floated out to sea. Well, quite possibly, but what with everything else, this is. I mean, it's got to be eerie. It must be really weird. Yeah. Like, okay, so what I'm kind of imagining at this point is they can see where everything was laid out. Yeah. And they can see where people left chests mm. in their houses, which are now gone. Yes. And the chests are open. Yes. That's quite creepy. It is creepy, isn't it? Now, they did find a sign that presumably the colonists had left for them. On a nearby tree, they found carved letters C R O. And on one of the logs of the palisade, they found. The expanded version, the word Croatan, carved on the palisade. Okay. But as I say, as for the colony itself, was completely empty, and they had no real leads to go on. Right. Now, before John White had left, he had actually suggested a way of signalling future parties in case the colonists had, for whatever reason, to abandon the place. Yeah. And what he basically told them to do was that if they had to flee a place, if they'd left against their will, yeah. then when they write their message, they should put an X in it. Okay. And they haven't done that. They haven't done that. So presumably, they have left peacefully. Right. Yeah, because like, putting an X in something is the easiest yeah. thing to do. Yeah. So he basically takes his message to mean they have gone to Croatan Island. Yeah. Or possibly to the Croatan people. Right. Now, bear in mind, they had been on Croatan Island, and it is larger than Roanoke, so they probably didn't do a thorough search, but they haven't seen anyone. Yeah, okay. But they also haven't spoken to the tribe, That's so true. they don't know whether Europeans have gone and tried to stay with them or anything. Yeah, so that is going to be their next stop. They're okay. like, this is weird. Yeah. We need to find out someone who knows anything. I also, lo- like, this is such a cool idea in terms of mystery, just because, like, from talking about it, we know what Croatan means. Yeah. But it's if you just came upon the word Croatan, <laughs> that sounds so, like, eerie. Yeah, so this has been used in some bits of pop culture. And I think the first time I actually heard this word was in the TV show Supernatural. Oh, yes! Yes. I remember! That's why I'm like, this sounds spooky. Yeah, in their version, it's kind of like a rage virus or something. Yeah. Which... It seems disrespectful. Right! Like, now I know that the Croatan people were, you know, a Native American tribe. Who seems to have been largely chill so far as well. It's really disrespectful to be like, ah, the word must mean this rage virus. It's like, no, it just means these bloody people. Or this island that (laughs) they live on. Or the island, yeah. Well, unfortunately, their attempts to search Croatan Island failed before they began. Because once again... The weather turns! Oh, no. A storm whips up and the ships are damaged. In fact, the Hopewell loses one of its anchors, leaving them with only one. Okay. And if they lose that, then they're not going to be able to easily cross the sea. Yeah. Wait, you mean they actually had anchors on these boats? Oh, yeah. They had anchors on these ones. So that one that Sir Francis Drake gave them, they could have anchored it. 
Yeah. But they didn't. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? I I don't know know what's going on in half-starved, half-mad colonists' minds. Anyway, the crew are basically like, this is incredibly dangerous at this point. We are gambling a lot. We've got to go back to England. Okay. But John White is like, well, no. My my daughter and my granddaughter are out there, and I'm not just going to leave them. I Okay. I appreciate his feelings, but also I love that they have, you know, they've killed a few of their own people by doing yeah. the first crossing. Yeah. And it's like, my daughter and my granddaughter are more important. And they're like, we don't even know if they're alive. Yeah. We're sacrificing more and more men to this potential child that may or may not be alive. <laughs> yeah. Given that one in five kids die before the age of five during this point, you know, odds are not great. Yeah, exactly. Well, the argument kind of goes back and forth. And in the end, it was decided that the moonlight should go to England while John White and the Hopewell would winter in the Caribbean and return to do a thorough search in the new year. Sounds like a bit of a jolly to me. I mean, it does. Wintering in the Caribbean. (laughs) However, even that plan goes awry. Oh, no. Because the Hopewell gets blown off course. Oh, no. And eventually basically ends up out at sea. Right. And what they have to do is they're going to have to land at the Azores to resupply. Okay. Now, the Azores are an odd place. Do you know about them? Yes. They're the ones that are kind of in the middle, right? Yeah, they're in the middle of the Atlantic. They're some very small Portuguese-owned islands. Yeah. And you don't really see them on a world map. No. So I always forget about them. And to be honest, I only actually learned about them because of a point-and-click adventure game. (laughs) About Indiana Jones. Really? Yeah. That was wow. the first time I heard about them. I had no idea there were islands in the Atlantic. <laughs> no, they don't get talked about very much. No, I think there's really always don't. this feeling like you have the Caribbean on one side. Yeah. And then you have, oh, there's some islands that are off the coast of Africa, I think, on mm. the other side. And then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But there are the Azores, so they're going to go there and resupply. Cool. Unfortunately... <laughs> The fierce winds prevented them from making landfall. Yeah. And so eventually they had to reluctantly return to England. (laughs) Otherwise, they were all probably going to starve. Wow. Now, when they returned, the situation was a bit difficult. Because, oddly enough, this situation is actually pretty good for Sir Walter Raleigh. Really? Yes, because... As you'll remember from last episode, he was given, essentially, governorship of Virginia. Oh, yeah. But But, he's not allowed to go there. Well, no, but he's not allowed to go there. I don't know if that's changed at this point. I think it does change at some point. It does. It does definitely, because he does go sailing later on in this story. Yeah. But the thing is that he is given governorship of Virginia as long as there is a colony there. Right. Now, the colony, as you can tell, has been expensive and difficult. Yeah. But there's a lot of political clout in being the governor of Virginia. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. So as long as the colonists are lost and not dead, okay, he is still governor of Virginia. Oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> like, okay, it makes sense to me, weirdly. Yeah. But also, it's so dumb and political. Yeah. Like, I'm assuming we're going with... So being the governor of Virginia is a big deal, partly because it's a big piece of land in the new world, and we want to have a big piece of Mm -hmm. land in the new world because of the Spanish, and also partly because that way 
we can attack the Spanish from a base. Neither of those things is true if the colony is lost. Yes, that is true. Because the Spanish can still invade. (laughs) Yes. And no one will know. But at this point... Except the Native Americans who don't care about us. But at this point, it doesn't matter. Right. Because Raleigh is basically getting all the clout without having to, you know... Do anything. Do anything and pay for these very expensive colonies. Yeah, I'd forgotten that he would be responsible for the money yeah. himself in some way. Yeah, like, I mean, he did get investors. Oh, yeah. But, It's know, not being paid for by the government, exactly. which it would be nowadays, I yeah, guess. exactly. So, because of this, it takes him five years before he decides to send a search party. Love it. At this point, he's no longer forced to stay by the Queen's side. So he's actually going to go on this transatlantic voyage. Okay. So this is sounding, you know, a bit of a slow start, but he's taking an interest. He's going himself to go look for these colonists. What year is this? This is 1595. Okey-doke. Why? <laughs> hmm? Well, you, you're going to derail my podcast with questions about the year? No, no, I was just wondering if this was the point where we'd turned over to King James, because I no, know there no, was no. a point where the... Where the monarch changed and it caused Raleigh some issues. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, that's coming up. Don't okay. worry. Don't you worry. Uh, I've got to find my place now. I'm sorry. me like that. So for some background information for people, this was one of Shakespeare's good years. Fifteen ninety five. Just vamp until I'm <laughs> I will do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so 1595, he goes off with some ships and he is personally going to head up the expedition and they are going to find the lost Roanoke colony. Excellent. At least, that's what he tells people. He's actually after potatoes. No, he's after the city of El Dorado. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, of course he is, because that's really cool. I mean, but at the same time, it's a dick move. It is cool, but it is, yeah. It is a huge dick move. Like, poor John White. <laughs> I know! Must have spent all this time, like, worrying and waiting for his friend to get off his ass and do something. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to go do something. And the thing is, this is not speculation. So Walter Raleigh admitted later on that this is what he did. That yeah. he pretended to go and search for the colony and actually was looking for El Dorado. I think he went to search for El Dorado a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like he could do this another time. Go look for those colonists, you bastard. I mean, okay. To play devil's advocate for a moment yeah. on behalf of Walter Raleigh, how often do you get to sail to a new continent and search for a lost city of gold. Like, the opportunity to go to America is very rare, especially (laughs) when the Queen keeps taking a preference to you. I I take issue with that. People are hopping back and forth. John White's been like two or three times. (laughs) Yeah. Manteo kept going back and forth. But this is Walter Raleigh, and he has the Queen occasionally go, I just don't want you ever to leave my side, especially not if you get married to anyone. Mm. Like, she gets cross about stuff when it comes to Walter Raleigh. Yeah. So I think maybe he's like, I'm going to go look for the lost colonists. And also El Dorado. <laughs> okay, so you, you seem quite sympathetic of him. I, can, I mean, I, I'm not really, because I think the whole thing is bullshit. But, well, like, I kind of get it. I can appreciate that. Well, you'll be happy to know that this is not the only attempt he makes to do a search for the lost colonists. Oh, good. Seven years pass. Oh, my gosh. And in 1602, he makes another attempt. And... As before, you know, he gathers his ships. I don't know if he goes himself this time. I don't think he does. Mm. But he gathers his ships and sends them off. 
Wait, do you mean that the first time he didn't actually go to Roanoke at all? He said that he was going to, and then the weather was bad. That could be true. The thing is, that could be true. <laughs> From what we've experienced, yeah. like, he could have gone to Roanoke, ended up in Brazil, yeah. like, halfway up the Amazon. Absolutely. The waves just pushed him there. <laughs> Someone didn't weigh anchor. Yeah. <laughs> Well, seven years passed, so okay. 1602. Good Lord. How old is young Virginia supposed to be at this point? Oh, well, she was born in 1590? No, 1587. Okay. So at this point, she should be 15. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So he makes another attempt to search for the colonists. Or does he? <laughs> or does he go and look for gold again? He doesn't. He looks for plants. Okay. Because at this point in England, the price of the sassafras plant has skyrocketed. What is a sassafras? I don't fully know. <laughs> okay. I've heard the word before. Yeah, I have too. I know it's a plant that grows, I think, mostly in America. Yeah. Uh, apparently it had culinary, medical, and aromatic uses. Ooh. I don't know what those were. I don't know why this was so important. But the thing was, it suddenly got really expensive. So he's going to go look for sassafras. Yes. All right. So he's basically going to send people to harvest known sources on the south part of Croatan Island. Okay. However. All right. The weather prevented them from staying too long. Oh, you really shock me. I know, right? So we don't know if any actual searches were attempted. Okay, so I think I get it. Yeah? It sounds like people don't really use it very much nowadays, mm -hmm. but they used to use it to make, for example, root beer. Oh, right. It used to be uh... the... It is the main ingredient, and it might still be, in traditional root beer. Isn't that why it's called sarsaparilla? Yeah, maybe. I don't know if that actually is I have no idea. Beer, but, you know. Yeah, no, sarsaparilla is in oh, root okay. beer. Right, yeah. yeah. Or is root beer. I don't know. I don't know. Um, they We're not also, American. You'll be shocked to learn. It's also used a lot in Creole, Louisiana Creole cuisine. Ah, well, that's going to come later. That, yeah. <laughs> but it was also used by Native, a lot of Native American tribes. Mm -hmm. They used to rub the leaves directly into a wound, and it used to be used to treat things like acne, urinary disorders, and sicknesses such as high fevers. Well, people in England wanted a lot of it, apparently. That actually makes a lot of sense because, you know, we suffered from things like smallpox. Yeah. So if you're treating acne with it, I assume you'll try and treat smallpox with it. Yeah, fair enough. Well, his expedition does manage to get some sassafras. Nice. But also makes no attempt to even search for the colonists. Yeah, I mean... I kind of get it at this point. <laughs> like, I mean... I am so surprised at you. Why? Because I was reading this, and I, when I was doing research for this, I just kept going, Sir Walter Raleigh is a massive dick. Like, I, I, the thing is, I think it's the false hope that gets me. Mm. It's the doing it all in the name of searching for these colonists, and he's not actually doing anything about it at all. I like, get that, yeah. Like... He could he could do what other things have done and like separate off a ship or two. Like most of them can go look for El Dorado and then maybe like a couple of ships can go and look for these colonists. Like this is 118 people he's just left to die. Presumably, possibly. Well, yes. Okay, so I guess the thing is, I can kind of sympathize to an extent given that the first the first attempt to find the Roanoke colonists um like get swept away because yeah. they could have gone 
to the island. That's true. And they didn't manage it. Yeah. So I guess if the excuse of Walter Raleigh the second time is that he tried and failed, then mm. his sa- his excuse is the same as, you know, Captain White's, who... Didn't try really, very hard, though. Who really, you know, cared about the people. Yeah. And at the same time, yeah, I... Okay, I was being... I was being fl- flippant about the search for El Dorado. Mm. I guess... I still have a bit of a soft spot for Walter Raleigh. I know I probably shouldn't, but you know, it's when you've read something about a person and you've created this character yeah. in your mind. No, I get, I get that. And I'm only sort of joke, like joking around with you about this. Cause obviously like he's, he did a lot of things. Like it's, it's hard to judge him just on this. It's just that, um, there's a particular historian who, I was reading when I was doing this research who basically said it's so odd that he comes out as the villain of this piece. And I think, like, taken in isolation, he very much is a villain in this. Yeah, I get that. I guess I'm kind of comparing him to, say, um, the one that we did about the molasses. Oh, yeah. You know when there was that guy who's made to be really evil by the person who wrote his thesis on the molasses issue? (laughs) And Sorry, I'm just doing like the Mr. Burns wiggly fingers because of how evil this guy came across. I guess to me, when I look at Sir Walter Raleigh, it's like, it feels like he's got a lot of things to think about. Mm -hmm. And also by the point that we're on what his third or fourth expedition to America it's been so long. Yeah. It's like when people bring up the same issues again and again, and it's like years and years later, and you know that things aren't going to get found. From a specific event, not 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 endemic things like racism. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, okay, I, I get that. I can sympathize with that. For me, I think the, the worst thing is the not sending people out sooner. Because basically, politically, it was pretty good for him to have lost colonies. Yeah, that does make him an absolute jerk. And I'm not going to stand up for him on this. He just wanted to save money. Yeah. So then I'm happy that by 1603, he was arrested for treason. (laughs) Because at this point, we've moved on from Elizabeth I. And we're into the reign of King James. Yes. And I, I don't actually know much about the plot that he's implicated in. Uh, maybe you know more. Um, so I only know about it from the Michael Morpurgo book, My Friend Walter. Mm. I, as far as I understand it, it's one of those situations where, and I could be entirely wrong because this is only based <laughs> on the book. Yeah. He went to America again. Mm. I think he was searching for El Dorado or something. He took he a, he took place. a son with him who died on this expedition. Oh, damn. Um, didn't manage to find anything and came back. And I think James accused him of having betrayed the nation by not finding anything and coming back. Right. You know, much in the same way that Richard the Lionheart was accused of betraying the oh, whole of I Christendom see. by yeah. agreeing a truce. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, either way, he gets arrested for treason and. As such, you know, he's not going to be governor of Virginia anymore. Yeah. And... Probably for the best. (laughs) Probably for the best. But it does kind of have a knock-on effect. Because he's not really going to do anything about these missing colonists anymore, public mood kind of weirdly turns against the colonists. Really? Yeah. There are some comic plays at the time that reference these lost colonists and kind of depict them as just really stupid and, like, getting lost when they leave camp or something. 
Okay. It's real. It's a bit weird, but it it comes to it, it seems to be more of a sort of like subject for satire than a serious. You know, a hundred odd people vanished, and we yeah. don't know where they are. They had families. <laughs> Granted, some of them might have been with them, but you know. Yeah, I mean, mm, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I guess maybe from the pers- I'm thinking about it from the perspective of a British person mm-hmm. and. And by this point, we are becoming British because yes, we've true. just got a Scottish king in. Mm-hmm. And they're still very against the Spanish. Yeah. And I guess the idea is these people were meant to kind of mm. protect us. Yeah. And they seem to have just left. Yeah. that Actually, that's a perspective I hadn't thought of, and that does make sense. I could see that being a sort of... A way of kind of relieving the frustration. Yeah. Without, you know, having to blame a bunch of people who probably died horribly. Well, this is a time of great frustration because, yeah. you know, as soon as James I becomes King of England, he's yeah. also James VI of Scotland, yep. um, this is when we start to get witch hunts ah, in the UK. Excellent. So I know a lot about this particular period of time. The crops were not good. Yeah. People were getting very frustrated about stuff. I could understand them lashing out at the Roanoke colonists. Well, we're not going to talk about that anymore. Okay. Because there is one final contemporary search party. Not headed up by Walter Raleigh. Okay. It was sent in 1603, so same year, under the command of Captain Bartholomew Gilbert. That is a wonderful name. It's a wonderfully English name. It doesn't sound Shakespearean era. No, I know, right? It sounds Victorian. It does, doesn't it? Well, he was a pretty seasoned captain. He had actually been co-captain on the first European expedition around Cape Cod. Okay. So he knows the waters. He's Mm. got pretty good experience. Seems like he's going to be the best person to send. Yeah. Uh, Their intention was actually to land on Chesapeake Bay, which is nearby, and search the surrounding areas. Okay. Basically, their thought is that They've long gone from the Roanoke colony. Yeah. There's not really much point searching there. Yeah. So it's better to sort of go around and see where they might have gone rather than look sense. for where they've been. Yeah, because it's been like 20 years at this exactly. point, hasn't it? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 15. Okay. But still. You're looking for, are there any white people around, I guess? Yeah, basically. Has anyone built some houses? That yeah. kind of thing. Well... Unfortunately, they fell into difficulties not because of the weather, but because of hostile tribes. They were quickly attacked by hostile natives who, you know, had probably had some bad experiences (laughs) with Europeans. And unfortunately, Captain Gilbert was killed. Oh, damn. Yeah. The surviving sailors were like, the captain's dead. A bunch of us are dead. We're going to go. Yeah. So they immediately flee and return to England empty handed. And that is kind of the last major attempt to search for the colonists. But it is 1607 where the next attempt at a colony is set up. Okay. And this is the famous Jamestown. Oh, yeah. Now, you've probably heard of this, and other people might have, because this was the place where John Smith was a major part. Yeah. And people might know John Smith from the story of Pocahontas. The Disney movie. Oh, what a hunk. He really cared about Native Americans. He got them. Yeah, absolutely. Pocahontas was actually her name. Yeah. Sorry, everything I've just said is not true. Absolutely. Well, I'm not really going to go into the story of Jamestown much, other than the fact that it too ended in massive failure. And in fact, in some ways, much worse than the Roanoke colony. Because, well, 
<laughs> Jamestown went through what is known what was known as the starving times. Oh great. And this resulted in death and cannibalism amongst the colonists. Oh you said cannibalism. I did last week. I said cannibalism was going to be involved because you were like it can't be as bad as the terror. This yeah. is pretty bad. Yes, but that's not the Roanoke. I know um, it's not, colony. but the whole thing is kind of the same bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, but to be fair, when they looked at Roanoke, they didn't mention any bones. That's true. That's true. And that's one of the like really weird things about it. Yeah. Is it's almost as if no one had ever been there. Well, the people of Jamestown did do a little bit of investigating to try and find out if there was any word uh, from the colony, and they spoke to the local tribes. And they did tell some stories relayed to them by the native tribes of English people living among the other tribes. Okay. And they were told that these people were wearing European clothes Mm -hmm. and had built their own stone houses. Right. The thing is that it seems very likely that this is either an exaggeration or it's because some Spanish people were living amongst the tribes in order to get friendly with them. Oh, right, yeah. Because the thing is, studies of assimilation, because there were there were like there were many cases of assimilation during this time. Yeah. European people adapted to the new culture very quickly. Okay. They wouldn't have gone around in their own clothes and they wouldn't have been building stone houses. It would have been very difficult to keep up like the ideals of Shakespearean era yeah. clothing in a country where you're barely growing your own food. I can't yeah. imagine that happening. No, exactly. So it seems to be either it's kind of got bigged up a bit in the retelling or it was just the spanish yeah (laughs) i think that's much more likely than it actually being the missing roanoke colony Mm. well jamestown like roanoke also failed but the next colony known as the plymouth colony was the first successful permanent colony that's because it was founded by pilgrims exactly and though there remained some interest in the missing roanoke colonists time moved on And it kind of became more of a curiosity rather than a real investigation. Okay. Since then, people have become more interested in the Roanoke colonists and have tried to solve this historical mystery. Mm. And it's really difficult for so many reasons. (laughs) How are you going to find like a hundred odd people who vanished at a time when people weren't keeping records? Well, not just that, but I mean, okay. It would be really hard to separate artefacts found in archaeological sites of the Roanoke colonists from anyone else at the time. Okay. Because, as I said, they did ha- they did soon after have a successful colony, and there's not enough of a cultural shift to really differentiate between artefacts left by future colonists and the Roanoke colonists. Right, okay. So it might well be that some of the stuff from the Roanoke colonists has been found, but we just don't know it because we can't separate it out. Right, so you're like, this is Jamestown stuff, but exactly. it might not be. Exactly. Um, the, the accounts of Europeans living amongst the tribes could, as I said, have been the Spanish. Mm-hmm. But also, it has been observed, and I, this I found very interesting, that albinism is more common amongst Native Americans than among many other races. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So it seems quite possible that when people saw white people amongst the Native Americans, they might have been seeing (laughs) albino people. 
Okay. I mean, I, I don't know how common it is, but I think that's very interesting. That's very interesting. And that makes kind of a lot of sense because when you're looking at native peoples, you're just looking at people with like slightly tan skin yeah. compared to European skin and black hair. Yeah. And if you're seeing people with pale skin and blonde hair, yeah. which is what albino people look like mm. and blue eyes, then you'd be like, oh my goodness, they're so English slash yeah. possibly Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> well... There are even more problems with searching for these missing colonists. Uh, for one thing, the names of various places changed massively over the years. So for a long while, we didn't actually know where Croatan Island was. Okay. It's only comparatively recently that we worked out that it was, well, it's now known as Hatteras Island. Okay. And that not, actually makes a lot of sense It makes to me. a lot of sense. But not only that, but the geography has changed. Yeah. Uh, Roanoke Island itself is actually smaller by about 900 foot Ooh. than it was in 1590 as the sea has come in. Yeah. And that may mean that the archaeological evidence is essentially lost under the sea. I mean, I know it'd be under the shoreline, but, you know, that yeah. makes it so much harder to try and dig down and find it. I mean... Up in Yorkshire, they've got an entire lost medieval town. That's true. That yes. surfaced recently. Yeah. And I think it's now been reclaimed by the waves again. <laughs> oh, that's kind of sad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> there was, however, a promising archaeological lead because it was believed that they had found the original location of the Roanoke colony. Okay. And this includes, like, the fort, the palisade. Right. However... Mm? There were some problems. Mm. People built a road through the area <laughs> and okay. destroyed a lot of the archaeological site before it could be properly excavated. Right. Even worse, in my opinion, it was destroyed later on in the 1920s by a film production crew. Really? Yeah. They were filming a silent film called The Lost Colony. <laughs> really? Yeah. How did they destroy artifacts? Basically because they just trampled the area. Oh like God. the film crew and the actors just going to and fro just completely destroyed the area. Why were people in the 1920s going for that level of verisimilitude when they couldn't really pick it up on their cameras? <laughs> they could have just filmed it in Hollywood. I know, but apparently they really wanted to film it at the actual place. I don't know if it was meant to be like a documentary or something. Okay. And they just... They just screwed up real bad. But ultimately what it led to was between a road being built on it and a film crew trampling the rest of it, the archaeological site is a mess. Okay. Like, there is nothing to be found there. However, mm -hmm. some help did come in 2011. Ooh, recent. Yeah, because researchers discovered that a map that John White had done of the area had two corrective patches affixed to it. Okay. And the map, which was being held in the British Museum, and I think still is, was examined and they basically got special permission to have someone peel back these patches oh. and look underneath. And they found the rough location of the Roanoke colony. Okay. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> because it's got to be unfortunately. The mark that is put down by John White to denote this colony because of the size of it, it covers thousands of acres. Right. It's not accurate, or at least it's accurate to a degree. Okay. So it's still going to be difficult to differentiate any relics 
of the colonists from anyone else in the yeah. future. But this hasn't stopped over the centuries various historians and others putting forward theories as to what happened to these missing colonists. Now, we mentioned last week that during the 19th century, there was a real explosion of interest in this story. Yeah. Put forward to basically promote racist ideas. Hooray. Now, the reason for this was essentially to justify further expansion in America and also promote white supremacism. Okay. What they did was they kind of rewrote some of the story. You remember that X that wasn't in the tree? Yeah. Did they say the X was in the tree? No, 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 they didn't. They said the X wasn't in the tree, but they said that the reason was different. Okay. They said that it was kind of like a... It's kind of like a put an X if you are doing this of your own free will. Oh, I see. Or or put an, put an X to make sure we know it's you that's doing this and no one else. Right. So they've got a situation where they're imagining these people being like force marched out of their village, yeah. presumably by the local tribes people. Yeah. This is also where we get the stories of massacres and cannibalism and, you know, putting women and children to the sword sort of thing. Yeah. That basically is just there to justify a whole load of racism against Native Americans. And then a load of massacres of Native Americans. Exactly. And it's for this reason that I think in some places, even to this day, Virginia Dare kind of becomes a mascot for white supremacism. That really sucks. I know, it really sucks. I hate that because she's just a little girl who is kind of like... She's a tragic character in my mind. Absolutely. Obviously, we don't know what's happened to her. Mm. Maybe her family did manage to go and meet up with the Croatans mm. and maybe she lived a happy life and married a Native American person or something, but I'm imagining it did not go well for her. No, probably not. And the gross thing is that these people also think it's a tragic story, but they see it as like a violation of the first precious white person born here. Oh, that's grim. I know. It's so grim. So we're going to move away from that because, Mm. frankly, those ideas are wrong and racist and we shouldn't really entertain them much longer. Let's not. And we're going to go to some other theories. Can we do some crazy fun theories? Yeah, sure. Yes, awesome. Aliens? Uh, No, no. However, you remember I talked about sassafras? Yes. What if sassafras had a bigger role in this story than any of us could have imagined? (gasps) I did not see this coming. What if Sir Walter Raleigh had given the colonists a secret mission? How? Then, well, he spoke to them before they left. Did he? Who? Shush. Okay. Stop picking holes in it. I haven't even told he you. He seemed very is. uninvolved. Anyway, he went to the colonists and he was like, "Hey, I know you're going to be setting up this colony on Roanoke. Mm. Don't. I want you to go further inland." to a place called Beachland. Right. There is a huge amount of sassafras that can be farmed. Okay. I need you to set up a secret colony so that you can send as much sassafras as you can secretly back to me in England. Right. Um, problem. Yes. So the person who first set up this colony was white, right? Yes. As in Captain White. Yes. Sir White or whatever. Yes. He did not know about this. Apparently not. But his daughter did. No. <laughs> because his daughter would have been like, 
Dad, I see you're going back to England to get more supplies. We are going to go and start this sassafras farm. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it has to be noted that sassafras was not a, like, valuable resource until much later. Yeah. So... I mean, it looks like... From my very quick Wikipedia-ing of it, yeah, that people learned that it was important from having, you know, talked to native tribes, yeah, which they hadn't really done very much before they set up their first colony. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, I see you're not convinced by no, this. No, I'm really not convinced by that, because re- I feel like... What's his name? James White? Uh, John White, I John think. John White. No- I feel... Possibly James White. I don't know. Let's just call him White. I can't remember. Mr. White would have known. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. He's so professional. (laughs) Okay, so you're not convinced by this? No. How about another story involving Sir Walter Raleigh? Go on. The whole thing was a conspiracy specifically against Sir Walter Raleigh. Okay. The colonists were separatists who had objected to the Protestant takeover of England, and Raleigh was supportive of them. But his close allies conspired to maroon the colonists in order to undermine Raleigh, who was an enemy of the secret plots to create a Protestant world power. These two, by the way, are genuine theories that some historians have put forward. I'm sure, because historians have said some batty things in the past, including the idea that Queen Elizabeth I was a man. Did Mm. you know this one? I did know this one, yeah. It's in the Daily Mail. Had children, yeah. (laughs) Well, of course, no. Well, no, no. Wait, so what's the idea? He's supposed to be. He's Protestant. No, he's he's anti-Protestant. Well, he he may be Protestant, but he's supportive of, I guess, religious tolerance. Right. So he's going to help these separatists and going to like give them a seat. Like again, it's secret colony stuff. Why would they be separatists if I they were tolerant? Know. No, 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 no. Raleigh is tolerant of their separatism. He's helping the colonists. <laughs> okay, and the Protestants are against them. Yeah. The so, Protestants wait, are, like, are they Catholic in this situation? Probably. Or, okay. I don't know. Some historian came up with this with a half-assed attempt at justifying this. <laughs> Look, the issue in about religion in Elizabeth's time seems to have generally been that Elizabeth did not care what religion you were, <laughs> but then the Catholics were told by the Pope that they had free reign to try and kill her. Right. So at that point, they became a bit anti-Catholic, and then that became even more so because of things like the Spanish Armada and the issues with Spain, which is why everyone became Protestant. They weren't hardline Protestant, though. They were. They were part of a secret organisation to try and create a Protestant world power because you've got Spain, which is a big Catholic world power. Can't have that. Right. But, like, the whole deal with... America being really Puritan is that Puritans didn't want to be part of England anymore because it was too tolerant of everything else. Yeah, to be honest, I think this kind of goes into a bit of American exceptionalism, mythologizing story. Sure. I I think that's where this comes from. But of course, there's no evidence for it whatsoever. In fact, there's quite a lot of evidence against it. Yes, it sounds very confusing. It's very confusing. Also, why would they allow John White to return? Yeah, I don't And know. why would they spend so much money on this? Like, at some point, this is this, it's easier to just get rid of them. Yeah. Like, marooning them in America is just... Just such send a... them to Plymouth Rock, goddamn. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Okay. So, <laughs> you don't get that. Fine. Well, I don't, because I largely don't understand it. That's fine. That's fine. 
So what if I tell you then that the whole solution is much simpler and has actually been solved already and has been solved since 1937? Okay. Because... The colonists just kind of left for whatever reason and travelled around southeastern America. And we know this because there are stones carved by Eleanor Dare in which she recounts their story. Basically being like, I know people are going to follow us. Mm -hmm. I need to tell people where we are and what we've been doing. Okay. And there are a whole series of these leading up to the death of the colonists. Basically starving. Right. So where we know are, it. Like, that's where, it. Are these, done. where are these stones? Well, they don't exist anymore. Okay. At least I think most of them don't. One of them possibly does. Because the thing is, these stones were found in 1937, but in 1940, all but one of them were linked to a stone cutter called Bill Eberhardt, who had hoaxed them. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, it is very interesting that one of the stones is very different from the others, and okay. it's never been linked to him. It was done in a different style. It was a different sort of rock. Okay. It's, it's odd, but I'm pretty I mean, sure it's a hoax as was well. Was it found around the same time? Uh, I believe so. Is it possibly a copycat? It could very well be, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. As such, there's no way to confirm it's real. Like, how would you even know that Eleanor Dare had carved these? Unless, like, even if she'd signed that, like, yes. I mean, it's all nonsense. I mean, that's fascinating, but also, wow, what a thing to do. (laughs) Okay, so we've got two more. Okay. And these ones are more reasonable. I'm actually saving the most reasonable one for last. (laughs) Okay, I thought you were starting with the most reasonable, which is one of the reasons I've been so incredulous. No, no, no. I'm I'm going going with the reasonable ones now, because the last one is probably the longest one to talk about. Okay. Anyway, this one is basically that the colony failed. Yeah. And they decided that it was in their best interest to return to England. Sure, that makes sense. Now, they had some small boats. I think they did have one that was a bit larger, Mm. but not enough to, like, get everyone across to England. Right. So, they dismantled the houses. To make boats. To make boats. Okay. And packed up their luggage and left. Right. But of course, we know that it's incredibly difficult sailing around there. Yeah. So it may well be that they left for England and were lost at sea. So why would they have put Croatan, though? Unsure. Right. That's one of the things yeah. that kind of pokes holes in this, as well as the fact that they probably would have left someone behind, it's, or at least left yeah. a better message. It seems odd that they would have left their chests behind as well, yeah. without the things in it, because... Yeah. Why not just take that? I have no yeah. idea. But yeah, it, it's it's interesting and yeah. I can see it being plausible, but no, or probably not. I mean, with the idea that you want to let people know what's happened, yeah, which you still would, even if you felt like you had a reasonable chance of getting across the Atlantic, like they know that accidents happen. This is yeah. very early in the history of traveling to America. Oh, yeah. So I feel like they would have given a better note. I think so too. So the last theory and the most credulous is quite simple, really, which is that the colony failed because, as we discussed in last week, this was an incredibly difficult thing to do. Yeah. Like, you're in an entirely new land. You don't really know how to farm it. Mm. You don't know what dangers might be out there. And the colony just kind of failed. Yeah. So what they did was kind of what we said at the beginning, 
not the beginning of this, but the beginning of Jamestown, mm. that they assimilated into the other tribes. Now, the most obvious idea would be that they all went to the Croatan people, which is yeah. why they, you know, said that's where we're going. However, it is interesting to note that some archaeological findings suggest that a reasonable number of these colonists might have joined a few different tribes. Okay. In fact, finds as recent as 2020 Ooh. and records of the oral tradition of Native American peoples shows that a large group of Europeans essentially separated from each other and went and joined a load of different tribes. Okay. Now, this does raise a few questions, because obviously European people then turned up and had contact with these tribes. Yeah. And not it's not that long after they had gone and assimilated. Yeah, like, it's not like this is several generations no. later and it's like, oh yeah, my grandma was one of the lost mm. Roanoke colonists. Which incidentally is a story that some people tell. Nice. Yeah. Um but yeah, so that would at first seem to be at a bit of a problem for this theory. But this is actually really interesting because that sort of stuff didn't happen. We had a lot of stories of people assimilating into Native American tribes. Now, when Native Americans tried to assimilate into European cultures, almost invariably they left to rejoin their own culture. Yeah. But for Europeans, the inverse is true. They almost invariably stayed with their new culture and okay. didn't go and rejoin Europeans. We don't know exactly why, but it just seemed that they were just kind of happier. I have a theory about this. Go for it. So this comes from the crash course that John and Hank Green right. did about history. And they said that studies have shown that... Um, tribes that move around, nomadic tribes, yeah. are happier than agrarian societies ah. in all cases. Yeah. And that actually it's a really odd thing that humanity settled down in the first place to farm because mm. that seems to have decreased people's length of life yeah. and health and happiness. Yeah. So there must be another reason why we did it. We just don't know what that was. Yeah. So it actually makes a lot of sense, especially at a time when technology was at the level it was for Tudor people, mm. that you would assimilate with a Native American tribe and find that things were better because yeah. like I said we're about to hit the witch hunting stage yeah. people got really tense yeah. nomadic cultures never witch hunt ah. because the thing is if you get tensions in nomadic peoples they just move apart yeah. like the person who's aggravating you just leaves and goes yeah. joins another tribe or moves off with the people that they like yeah so ultimately I think this is the most likely scenario that they just had a failed colony, assimilated into these other cultures, and just stayed. Yeah. Because it was better. I mean, I don't want to live in Tudor, England. No. Like, it sounds awful. I mean, I'm kind <laughs> of considering it for, like, a lot of things. Like, life for women was not necessarily no, great. Yeah. I'm not sure what the Native American population of Eastern Coast America was like. I mean, we know that it's going to be different tribe by tribe. Like, we know that the Croatans, for example didn't have a strictly patriarchal yeah. society as their chief was a woman. That's but... true. I've also just made the assumption that they're nomadic peoples, which I have no idea about as well. I think many of them would have been. But yeah. Again, it's very difficult to say. But at the same time, I can see that like, you might want to just stay in that culture yeah. and then maybe you wouldn't want to see any 
like white Europeans yeah. who come up looking for you. Yeah. Like, I'm... <laughs> don't take us back. We're no. having a nice time. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of imagining, say, young Virginia at yeah. this point, imagining the best case scenario for her, which is that she did grow up in and managed to assimilate into a Native American tribe. She might not even have known she was English. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she would have got raised in that society. Presumably, she would have met and married somebody. Yeah. And if that was then known about by English people, I can only assume they would be horribly racist about it. So actually, the best case scenario is just to sort of stay out of their way. Yeah, basically. And I think that's probably the most likely scenario. Of course, it is an unsolved mystery. And there are still efforts to try and, you know, get a definitive answer. There are some schools of thought, though, that suggest that we kind of shouldn't that this is just part of the mythologizing of the founding of America. And no matter what you do, it's kind of promoting a sort of supremacist inevitability of white people taking over. Mm. And you can just kind of accept that it happened and don't have to find out exactly why. It was just a failed colony. It's not special. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, these two episodes have been pointless. Goodbye. Well, no, because the thing is, it is a good story and people are still interested in it for a variety of reasons. And it does have some knock-on effects. Um, There was actually a case where uh, a group of Native American people actually managed to avoid some like racially motivated laws on the basis that they were descended from the English Roanoke colony. Really? Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. So, I mean, it it is still important in mm. some ways, but, you know, it gets mixed in with some icky yeah. colonial history stuff. I get that, because it is the whole, like, founding of America yeah. thing, which is one of the biggest and most egregious examples of colonization Absolutely. in the world. Absolutely. But don't worry, America, it's not your fault. No. Like, it's not the fault of any American listening to this in oh, the no. same way that we're not responsible for the British Empire. Well, this is the this is the <laughs> thing where it always gets difficult, isn't it? Like, this is why we spend a lot of time ragging on the British Empire, yeah. because we want our listeners out there to be like, don't worry, we understand. Yeah. Like, I think there's probably some guilt in being a white American every Mm. once in a while, possibly when, I don't know, Thanksgiving rolls around or something (laughs) for some reason. I'm not, I'm still not 100% certain about what that's about, but. No, I mean, we're British. All we do on Thanksgiving Day is exchange tea and crumpets. (laughs) Just like every day. And we make sure the tea comes from India, our favorite colony. (laughs) (laughs) Well, ultimately, I like the mystery of this. I, would still be interested if there are more findings, and there probably will be in the future as we get better and better technology that can look under the soil. But Mm. we're going to have to wait and see. Who knows? We might have a part three at some point when they discover some ancient artifacts. But... Until then, thank you very much for listening to That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4 and suggest episodes to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. If you could leave us some kind of five-star review on whatever you're listening on, that would be amazing to help us spread our podcast even further. And as always, thank you to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, as well as any other music that Barnaby has used in this podcast. And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and don't pretend to search for missing people when you're actually looking for the city of El Dorado. Unless you find it. Bye! Bye!